the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. John got so excited about this. Notice verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And then Jesus had to say, and he said, Right, for these things are faithful and true. I think that John put down his pen. He was so stunned by this. That's from chapter 21 of Revelation. But our study today on verse by verse is centered in 2 Peter chapter 3. John had just heard the pronouncement that God would dwell among people and there would never be any more pain or tears. No wonder he was stunned. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Our instructor is pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's class is the conclusion of a message about the return of Jesus Christ. It's the fourth of six messages from 2 Peter chapter 3. Pastor Steve has been sharing some thoughts about the fact that all our possessions will be burned up and even the universe itself will be destroyed and remade. How should that impact the way we live? We will continue that subject and then move on to what happens after the day of the Lord. Here is Pastor Steve. See, this puts a a whole new perspective on things. You ought to look at things differently after you, you study this. Because we tend to treasure and put so much energy into preserving things. And they're all going to be burned up. All the things that you're going to see in the Super Bowl commercials, and after all, that's really why we watch the Super Bowl, to see those new million-dollar commercials, all the things that they're going to tell you that you need, Peter says, they're going to be burned up. They're going to be burned up. So don't get too attached to it. Now, Peter's not telling us that we shouldn't enjoy things. Peter's not telling us that we ought to live monastic lives and not have any property. He's not telling that at all. What he is saying is just don't become so attached to something that's going up with fire. It's not lasting forever. What does last forever? These are the things that we really ought to put all of our energy into. What lasts forever are people And the word of God, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. People are eternal and the word of God is eternal. That's the most important thing in life to to minister in terms of, of what you pour your life into. Now, really, this is a challenge that requires a specific response from each of us to the Lord. Since we live on a dying planet that's going to be destroyed by fire, how should we be living right now? That's what Peter says we need to deal with. What difference does this truth really make in the way that you and I live? It ought to make a great difference. It should affect your your ambitions. Your ambition should be in light of eternity. It should not be like your neighbor who doesn't know Christ. How should it affect your financial goals? Is it wrong to have financial goals? Certainly not. Certainly not. But it, you ought to have a different perspective, a different priority, a different attitude. What are you going to do with those finances? Why are you trying to get to your, your goal? It ought to affect your values. What, do you, what are the things that you value? It ought not to be like, like unsafe people. 
that ought to be different. And your priorities, we all have priorities. What is most important to you in life? You know, I think if you just look over at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, you may not even have to turn a page. 1 John 2, 15, John says basically the same thing. He says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. That's, that's what Peter is basically saying. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what he's saying is that if anyone has a habitual love for the world, if, if that's really where their heart's at and they have no concern for the things of God, they don't know the Lord. The love of the Father is not in him. Now, we all at times love the things of the world. He's not saying that. We all struggle with that. But he's talking about someone who's not struggling at all. Somebody who's just, uh, that's where their heart's at. Uh, That's their lifestyle. He says, if that's the case, then the love of God is not in you. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, this is why we ought not to love the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, all those things that we can get to stroke our, our egos. It's not from the Father, he says, but it's from the world. And then in verse 17, he says, the world is passing away. And also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Why pour your life into loving something that's going to pass away? And in the words of Peter, it's all going to be burned up. That's what he's saying. So you see that Peter is specifically calling us to live differently, to be distinct from the false teachers. I think that's really the context here. Don't live like the false teachers who live by their lusts. They denied the the coming of Christ. They denied judgment and they lived as if there is no judgment. You, though Christ has taken judgment upon himself for our sins, though you will not face judgment in light of the coming judgment, you need to live differently. You need to live differently because we understand where this world is is heading. Everything that you see is temporary, so don't don't live like it's eternal. These truths ought to make a difference in the way we live. We ought to live holy and godly lives. But you know what? Peter just tells us in, in verse 11, in general, holy and godly lives. But the question we need to ask is, Peter, could you be a little more specific? What do you mean? And you know what? Peter was more specific. Because from verses 12 through 14, Peter gives us four specific qualities that should characterize our lives. He basically, in the next few verses, answers the question, if we could put it like that, really, I said it's not a question, but let's say for the sake of conversation, it answers the question, how shall we live? Peter's going to tell us how how we should live. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And you might say this morning, it's almost over. No, it's not. This is just the introduction. In my notes, it's introduction. took nine pages to get there. But we're going to look at uh, the first quality of our life that Peter says, the first quality that should characterize our lives in light of the coming judgment of fire. And so uh, how shall we live? The first way you should live is with expectancy, with expectancy. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense Now, the first thing that Peter tells us to do in light of the coming future judgment is simple. He says, look, look, looking for, looking for the coming of the day of God. This is obviously what Peter wanted us to get because he mentions it three times uh, for emphasis. He mentions it here in verse 12, verse 13. He mentions the same thing. He says, but according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and new earth. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, so it's obvious that that's his emphasis. We are to be looking for the coming day of God. 
Well, what does Peter mean by that? What does it mean to look for the coming day of God? How and, and why should we be looking for a day of judgment? Well, the Greek word that is translated looking means to look forward to. The thought is to look forward with excitement, to, to anticipate something. It's an attitude of expectation. It isn't that you're just looking. It's that you're looking with, with excitement. You, you are anticipating it, a desire that it will come and, and come and come soon. The same word is used in other, uh, situations in the New Testament in which somebody was looking forward to something, someone was excited and eagerly waiting for something to happen. It is used, by the way, in Acts chapter 3. Remember in Acts 3, Peter and John were in the temple area, and there was a lame man who was begging, and he begged Peter and, and John for money. They didn't give him money, but they uh, God healed him through Peter and, and John. But in Acts 3, 5, that same word is used here. He expected them to give him money. That's the, that's the same word here. With that same attitude of eager anticipation that this man had looking for money to be put in his hand, we are to have that same kind of excitement and, and attitude of anticipation as we look for the coming of the day of God. Now, he didn't get the money, but, but Jesus is going to fill his, fulfill his promise, and that day is coming for us. Now, I want you to notice something that's very important. Notice in verse 12 that Peter did not say we are to be looking for the return of Christ. Now, let, let me stop here and, and just explain something. As I told you this week, as I've been studying, um, most commentaries just, I don't know what they're reading, but they assume that Peter is saying that we're to look for the return of Christ. It is a truth of Scripture. We are to be looking for the rapture. We are to be looking for the return of Christ. We, we are to be doing that. But that's not Peter's point. What is his point? Peter says we are to be looking forward to the day of God, which, as I told you, refers to the time when God will destroy the world with fire. This is at the end of that time period known as the day of the Lord. This is a thousand years later after Jesus returns. So here's a couple of questions that, that we need to really um, answer if we're to understand what Peter is teaching us here. Number one, why would Peter tell us to look forward to an event that is at least a thousand years away? Why? Secondly, why should anyone look forward to judgments? You've got to be a little bit odd to be you know, excited about judgments. Well, let's try to answer these. First of all, remember, as we said, first in, in the... Um, prophetic picture. First, there's the rapture of the church, then the seven-year tribulation period, then the return of Christ, then the 1,000-year reign of Jesus on earth, then following that and only following that, then the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, the elements will melt with intense heat. So why did Peter tell us to look forward to such a distant event? The answer is found in verse 13. Peter answers it for us. And hopefully this will, the light will come on in your, in your mind. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You see, Peter isn't telling us to look forward to the destruction of the universe for the sake of destruction. He's not saying get all happy and giddy because God's destroying this world with fire. That's not what he's teaching. What he is teaching is where to look forward to what will emerge out of that destruction. We look forward to the destruction of the earth because what will emerge out of that destruction will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That's what we're to be excited about. 
Now, what does Peter mean by this? And, and how does all of this affect the way that we live? The answer is found in Revelation chapter 21. So I'd like you to look at Revelation chapter 21. This chapter in the book of Revelation tells us specifically what will take place after the millennial kingdom. Chapter 20 in Revelation tells us about the millennial kingdom. Chapter 21 tells us about what takes place after. And actually, the book of the, Re of Revelation, of the, book of the Revelation is, is very, uh, for the most part, very chronological. It's not that hard to follow in terms of chronology. Now, in chapter 21, verse 1, John says, the, the writer of Revelation, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And let's stop there. Let's just stop there. John sees a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because he says the old heaven and the old earth have passed away, which is really what Peter's been teaching us. That's just what Peter's been teaching us. God is going to burn it up with fire. But what we have not discussed, and this will, this will be helpful for you, is to know this, that when God burns up the world, it does not mean that he's going to annihilate the world in the sense that it will cease to exist. It will exist. It will just exist in a different form. And the analogy, going back to what Peter is teaching about the flood and the judgment of fire, when God destroyed the world with the flood, uh, the world didn't cease to exist. The world wasn't annihilated. It was just transformed. What emerged out of that world uh, was very different than what it was before the flood. And that's what I believe that God is teaching here. He will transform the world. He'll rearrange it because out of the flames that will purge and cleanse this world from being tainted and stained with sin, it will emerge a wonderful new world. What kind of a world will this be? Notice that the expression new heaven and a new earth, you might think that he's talking about new in the sense of time. Well, that's true, but in the Greek language, there are two words for new. This is not the word for time. This is the word for quality. It's newness and quality. In other words, nothing like this has ever existed before. It's going to be new. It's going to be different. In other words, God is going to bring an entirely different world into existence. And Peter tells us in chapter 3, verse 13, that it is going to be a world perfectly characterized by righteousness, in which righteousness dwells. Sin will not be present in that world. You will not have a sin nature. You will not struggle with sin. You will not be tempted by the devil. He will be judged eternally in the lake of fire. Sin will not be present at all. And that's why Revelation 21 goes on to reveal that in this new earth, God will dwell with his people and the effects of sin will be gone. Notice verses 4 and 5. Verses 3 and 4, rather. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And watch this. This is what God's going to do. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there'll no longer be any death, no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Folks, it's going to be such a wonderful world that you will never shed another tear again. The tear that comes from pain. No more tears for loneliness. Most people are very lonely. There'll no more be any tears for loneliness. No more tears for hurt feelings. No more tears because of the loss of a loved one. No more tears of tragedy, rejection. No more sorrow. Also, he says, no more death. 
No more obituary columns, no more cemeteries, no, no more long and sad farewells, no more mourning, no more pain and, and suffering. That's what the future holds for us. In fact, John got so excited about this. Notice verse 5, and he who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. And then Jesus had to say, and he said, right, for these things are faithful and true. I think that John put down his pen. He was so stunned by this. And the Lord said, John, right, I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you is faithful and true. Because you read this and you go, is that really going to happen? Absolutely. God said it would. This is what the future holds for those who trusted Christ. And no wonder the Apostle Peter says that we're to look forward to it. Folks, it's a perfect, it'll be a perfect world without any sin, perfect righteousness. No one will ever offend you. You'll never offend anybody else. It'll be more wonderful than we could ever imagine. You know, the Bible really doesn't tell us a lot about the eternal state. And that's what theologians call this, the eternal state. The Bible doesn't tell us a great deal about it. But what it does tell us is so incredible, so wonderful. I suspect that God hasn't told us uh, much about it because we, we couldn't grasp it. We couldn't grasp it now. But Paul said, I have not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And Paul said in Romans 8.18 that the present sufferings of this world can't even be compared with the glory that's going to be ours. You can't even compare it. It's a world of righteousness without any sin. And you ought to be excited about that. And, and here's Peter's point. Since the world that we now live in is sinful and it's on its way to a fiery destruction and a coming new world will be characterized by righteousness, then you ought to be looking forward with great anticipation to this new world by living righteously now. We're to think about this. Today, you are to think about this, this new world, not get caught up just in, in your world now. And that's the problem that we have. We get caught up in mundane things and we have to deal with mundane things. I mean, that's what life is made of. But throughout the day, you and I are to be thinking and looking forward to the age of perfect righteousness, that eternal state. We're to be thinking about it, and the more you think about it, and the more you long for it, the more it will affect your behavior now. You will begin to live differently because you will have an eternal perspective. You will not live for the things of this world. You will be consciously thinking about a, a new world of righteousness coming. It will affect the way you look at things and it will affect the way you live today. That's Peter's point. We are to be motivated by an understanding of this to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to the Lord because someday only righteousness will prevail. So are you looking forward to this coming new world? Will you ask the Lord now to help you to think about it? Maybe if you have a, a, a daytime or something like that, maybe you ought to make some notes in your daily calendar. Think about the coming world of righteousness. It won't always be like this. You know, as a runner, the greatest part of running is crossing the finish line. I want to tell you, there is a finish line. All of your troubles will be over someday. All of your sorrows, all of your pains, all of you, if you, if you have marital problems and family difficulties and financial problems and all okay, there is a finish line for that. And you need to be thinking about that. There's more to life than what we see. Eternity is before us. So you need to make a conscious effort to do that. So you need to answer in your heart to the Lord, am I too attached to this present sinful world? We, we all are too attached, quite frankly. And we need to make some effort to change. 
Because understand, what you see is not going to be here forever. Actually, everything is breaking down, even as we speak. But ultimately, it's going to break down to the point where everything's going up in flames. And it's going to be replaced by righteousness. So what kind of a person ought you to be? A person who is looking forward to the age of righteousness and beginning to live like that now. Let's bow for prayer. This is the time that you need to respond to the word of God. This is a time where every passage that we study demands a response. But in this passage, uniquely so, Peter calls us for a response. He asks you, what kind of person ought you to be? I'm going to give you a few moments to pray to the Lord. Our, our time is not finished. This is, this is our time of worship, our response. If you're a believer, you need to evaluate your life. How are you living it? Do you love things too much? Don't love anything that's going to be uh, burned up. Are you putting too much value and treasure in those things that um, are going to be all destroyed? If that's the case, you need to make some changes in what you think about during the day. And is, is your car too important to you? Your house? Your boat, perhaps? Your bank account? Not saying those things don't have a place, enjoy them. But are, if you're too attached to those things, that's when it's sinful. And if you're not a, a believer in Christ, I want you to know that judgment is coming, not just for this world, but for you. But the wonderful, great truth is that Jesus already has experienced judgment so that you don't have to. You simply repent of your sin and trust Christ as the one who died in your place. And the Bible says you will be forgiven. You will be um, saved. You will never experience judgment. Let's have some silence now as we speak to the Lord and then I'll close us. Father, it is by faith that we take the word of God. We've never seen a world of righteousness. We've only lived in a sinful world. We've only experienced our own sinful struggles and, and uh, the sin of those around us. Now, Lord, the things that are unseen, those are the things that are eternal. And we take them by faith. Lord, I thank you. This is a promise to us. And I pray that each one, each believer here will live differently as a, as a result of the word of God this morning. That we'll look at the things that we have, not, not as treasures to be kept at all costs, but certainly objects to be used for you to be shared with others, but also as just, just things that we can enjoy but not love and not treasure. Lord, may our hearts' treasures really be those things in heaven. Where our hearts are, that's where, where our treasure is at. That's Jesus. what Jesus said, that's where our hearts will be. Lord, I pray that you'll help us, not just today, but to make this a part of our lifestyle, to be thinking about a new world that's coming, a world of righteousness, to be looking forward to that. Lord, we do look forward to that. This world, though it has some, sometimes a pleasure, is really uh, difficult. world of trouble. We're born into problems, and problems plague us. There are moments of, of great happiness, but we have problems and difficulties, and how wonderful it is to know that as a Christian, there's such hope that we have. Lord, so I pray that we'll live differently, godly, righteously, looking 
for that coming new order, the world of righteousness. Draw to yourself those who need salvation, Lord. May they see, understand that Jesus took judgment upon himself, their judgment in their place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's class was the conclusion of a two-part message on the return of Christ. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, you can order an audio CD by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. The number again, 727-441-1714. To listen again to today's class, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can download the audio and listen later or listen to it online. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. We invite you to join us for our next Verse by Verse Radio Bible class and the start of the next message in this series about the return of Christ taken from 2 Peter chapter 3. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.